to another episode of Trans Confessions, A Very Queer Journey. This is our 21st episode. I am your host, Jinx, and your co-host, Daphne. We'd Hello. like to thank all of you for being here with us today. We have a pretty interesting show today, although probably a pretty short one, too. So we've got a lot of good topics we want to touch on. Before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and do our disclaimers. So, again, this is an adult-oriented show. It has explicit content and swearing and a lot of trigger things, so trigger warnings abound. Viewer discretion is absolutely advised. If you are under the age of 18, I encourage you not to watch this. And that's all I'm really going to say about that. Um, we do stream live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11.30 Central Standard Time. Um, or thereabouts. Sometimes we get a late start. Sometimes we start a little bit early. But it's almost always around 11.30. This is a live show, so because it's a live show, sometimes people say or type or ask questions that are inappropriate, which is why we gave that legal disclaimer in the first place. These are not pre-recorded. We can see all of your comments as you make them. Um, and if it's a comment that I don't want to be broadcast, I won't respond to it. So I do apologize. Um, obviously, I do this show and it costs you nothing to watch it, but, you know, it does cost money to produce it. So if you want to support the show, you can go to our website, which is linked right here <clears throat> at the bottom of the screen. That's cyberjinx.me. We've got a merch store, lots of great stuff that you can peruse and buy. And if you don't want to buy anything, then you can do direct support as well. All that's on there. Plus, we have a blog. We've got a cooking blog. We've got a cyber blog. Lots of great information out there, lots of funny videos, comedy, stand-up, all kinds of stuff that you can find on the website. And we add content every single day. So go back and check it out every once in a while. Sign up for the newsletter to get all your favorite updates. So once again, we do our shows. We do stream live on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, and sometimes TikTok. It just depends. Um, TikTok's been very funky lately with how they're streaming, so we will not be doing our stream live on TikTok today. And I really don't feel like dealing with the idiots and the trolls either. So we're going to go ahead and avoid that and not even bother. So some of the topics we're going to be discussing today, as it shows in the episode title, digital decay and heterophobia. I know it sounds weird, but we're going to get into it. <clears throat> so the first topic, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in there is digital decay. So since the aggressions began between Russia um, and the Crimean areas, and mostly pretty much any Eastern European country, we've seen a lot of kind of digital fallout, if you will. So cyber activity, not necessarily the good kind, has been on the increase over the last 10 years. This isn't a new thing. It's not new at all. This is actually a very old thing, but it's escalating because the tensions that are currently going on right now in the East are rising. So you're seeing a lot of digital currency issues. You're seeing cryptocurrencies that are failing or being stolen. You're watching a lot of hacking activity that's occurring around banking, credit card transactions, retail, online stores, and then obviously social media outreach. So applications like Facebook, applications like TikTok, applications like, heck, even Rizzle, which is relatively new on the scene, are being subject to, well, hacking activities. Very, very unethical cybersecurity activities. These are dangerous things that are currently going on. And because they're dangerous, people are being affected in many different ways. Some of the ways we've seen is there are lots and lots of stores, retail stores, that are suffering digital theft. Now, what is digital theft? So, stores that sell things typically online that you don't receive a tangible item. So, these would be digital gift cards. These would be... Um, gift codes and stuff for in-game purchases, 
things of that particular nature. And I think the report I was reading was from Newsweek. Newsweek had actually stated that in the first quarter, the end of first quarter for this year, they're estimating somewhere around, I think, $104 million in global digital retail theft. Now, these things could be sold, resold, reused, all kinds of stuff. Usually when they call, people laughingly call it the black market. Um, the black market is more or less a way for these people to offload a lot of the stuff they just stole. Now, they're not going to get full retail value because it's the black market. But it's still enough to fund things like, I don't know, cyber warfare, um, unethical behavior on the internet that allows, you know, military movements. These are very real threats. And Russia has absolutely co-opted a lot of pro-Russian hackers to do just that. This is funding all of the aggression that you are seeing in the Ukraine and all over that part of Europe. Um, it's not uncommon. It's the typical tactic that you would see. This is stuff that they teach in Cyber Defense 101. <coughs> Going out there and you're creating cyber unrest in other places to fund the cyber unrest that's going to get you your ultimate goal, which is the collapse of a government, um, the, over, you know, the overthrow of a particular leader, um, political ideology. Um, and it's not just Russia that uses these techniques. There are lots of other, let's say, non-state actor entities that do the exact same thing. And we'll get into that a little bit later. That's going to be in our next segment. This one's primarily focusing on the digital decay. <clears throat> because there are so many businesses that are out there that we depend on that often don't do anything to combat what you are seeing, this is what I'm talking about when I use the phrase digital decay. We live in a world now where, yes, there's a lot of freedom of speech, and I'm very grateful for that um, freedom of expression, but that freedom of speech and freedom of expression also invites the decay I'm talking about. So when you live in a digital world, you shop in a digital world, you buy things, you say happy birthday to people in a very digital fashion, oftentimes it is corrupted or ruined by this digital decay. So we want to send maybe a digital birthday card to grandma. And, you know, we send it and it's not necessarily the most reputable site. They get it, they open it, and all of a sudden grandma's Visa card's been hacked and has been maxed out. That's digital decay. You know, something that probably started off as innocuous and even adorable, like happy birthday grandma turned into grandma's now got $25,000 of credit card debt that she didn't intend on. Um, this is part of that digital decay. Your kids get online and go to a supposedly 13 and under child-friendly chat room and there happens to be a pervert in it. Or your kids get bullied. And it may, you know these applications, these companies, unfortunately make it very, very easy for your children to be bullied and picked on and harassed and possibly even abused by people who you know, just go in there specifically for those purposes. It's disturbing at best. Um, and at its worst, it's, it's awful. It's devastatingly awful. Again, this is that digital decay. And these are things that have been happening, well, since the dawn of the internet. And unfortunately, as technology advances, they progressively get worse. They're not getting better. They're actually getting worse. Now, all of that coupled with some of the things that we don't see. The national news doesn't necessarily report. 
So today, well actually yesterday I should say, the White House actually issued a press release talking about specifically some of the activities your government's been doing without your knowledge. So in preparation for a lot of the actions that Russia has been trying to do, and obviously all of the aggression being shown in Eastern Europe from the Russian government, the U.S. government has actually been going in removing things like spyware, malware, trojans, viruses from various different large network apparatuses, not just in the United States, but in a lot of other countries in this hemisphere and Europe. Ordered by the FBI, the United States government's actually been using its techniques to go into private business networks and remove what they would consider as suspicious malware or possible viruses. Now, obviously, this was intended to be a good thing. That doesn't always seem to be how it works. Having the authority to essentially go into a private company's network, even if it's for good purposes, is still nefarious in and of itself. It's just, you know, that's not good. So, now this is nothing new, of course. The FBI has been tapping people's phones as early as the 1910s. Um, but still, having the U.S. government, the Department of Defense's Cyber Command, the FBI, going into private businesses and trying to do these things most of the time without the business even knowing, that's not good. That is definitely a violation of that business's ability to, well, be itself. That's not a private sector entity anymore. Now this is basically government controlled. Um, but more importantly, that they're doing it to businesses even overseas. If the business has a headquarters or an office here in the United States, this is basically the foregoing for the FBI to then go and follow that network wherever it might be, whether it's Australia, whether it's the United Kingdom, France, whatever. Now, I understand why you can read the press release. They are actually being transparent about it. Now, you know, after the fact, um, this was to basically make sure that Russia could not use or Russian-backed Hackers could not use this malware, could not use these items to then further Russia's attempts to disrupt the United States' economy or the European Union's economy as a whole, of course, um, or any economy on this side of the world. That's what they were attempting to do. Now, whether they were successful or not, they can't even say, so there's no way I could, but still. Now this, because the FBI has been doing that and been quite successful, according to their own reports, in removing these things, has co-opted and prompted the U.S. Cybersecurity Command. So these are like the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, the different branches that fall under there, their cyber teams to increase their numbers. Um, it was released, you know, for this, this particular congressional session that the budget and the current 133 activated cybersecurity professional teams in the Cyber Command are going to be increased. Now, they did not give a specific number of teams or how many more people they're going to be adding on, but they did say it was going to be substantial, that the cyber world is the new warfare. This is the new world we're going to fight in is it's not going to be a battlefield necessarily on some distant foreign soil. This is a digital battlefield. And again, this actually creates more issues with digital decay. As the world's infrastructure, the world's networks, the world's bandwidth is quickly being eaten up by bots, um, quickly being eaten up by 
hacking attempts through the dark web and the non-dark web. Sometimes these are very, very open as far as what they're going to do out there on the internet. They're not even hiding a lot of these things anymore because they know there's no threat to them. There's no way for them to get in trouble, caught, captured, arrested, jailed. It doesn't really matter because it's a digital set. So, <coughs> that being said, it is not appropriate for a government or a government entity to essentially do the same thing that Russia is doing to the people of Ukraine and other pro-Ukrainian governments. It doesn't make the United States government any more omnipotent. It doesn't make the U.S. government better. We have no higher ground to stand on if our own government's law enforcement bodies without warrants are going in to remove malware. Well, who says they're going to stop there? They don't necessarily have to. Most of these businesses that they went into and removed these things from were not even aware they were in there. Again, not very uncommon. From an ethical hacking standpoint, as someone who's done these things, I could go inside someone's network and be there for months. Months, and they'd have no idea I was in there until I'd already gotten what I needed and long been since gone. Hell, even NIST states that the average time that a, a hacking intruder, an unethical adversary, is in a corporate network is about 267 days. That's damn near a year that they've been trolling around your stuff and you had no idea they're there. Your traditional antivirus software that you've got running on everyone's crap didn't catch that person. So, I mean, it makes sense that the U.S. government has gone into these networks and these businesses had no idea. But how scary is that as a business owner? What if you've got IPO? What if you've got financial statements that are supposed to be maintained as private? Even the government's not supposed to know those things about your clients, and yet they're certainly capable of doing so. Now, I would like to think under any administration, whether it be Trump or Biden or whatever, that your government is not going into your business's assets and leaking your, I don't know, technologies, your intellectual property, your client's personal information to just any old Dom, Dick, and Harry. But there's also nothing that says that they wouldn't. If the FBI is going into your networks without your permission or knowledge, who's to say they're not taking information, collecting it, so that they can use it against your client or you at a later time. And this is the same thing that went back with the whole see something, say something, anti-terrorism rhetoric that our government put out under the Bush administration. That was probably the biggest, most demeaning end to private, I mean, private individualism that there ever was. I mean, you had the entire creation of the TSA just based on outward threats. Well, I mean, the threat was over. The United States military deployed to Afghanistan and several other places, hunted a lot of these people down. The damage that occurred on 9-11, although horribly devastating, was already done. There's no empirical proof that the government has been able to provide since then that the TSA has ever done anything to thwart any more type of terrorist acts. All it has done is increased airfare by a significant margin. Made your trip to the airport absolutely abysmal, like horrible. 
And it could even be said, I mean, I could pull up some of the data just from South by Southwest here in Austin, Texas, and all the people who left. When South by Southwest was over, most of these people were trying to get out. And although Austin's airport's not small, it certainly isn't big either. There were people who were wrapping around in their cars the entryway to the airport, abandoning their rental vehicles and walking to the terminal. Because the TSA wait time was upwards of four hours. That's ridiculous. To what end? What did TSA accomplish? Making those people stand in a queue, packed side by side, next to each other for four hours. I mean, they didn't really prevent anything. If a terrorist really wanted to cause damage, having 3,600 to 5,000 people crammed into a tiny area all standing in a snake-like queue right on top of each other, to me that sounds like a really good target. If I was going to cause mass devastation, that's where I would target. I wouldn't target inside the terminal access area or the plane itself. It'd be outside. The numbers at this airport, and this is Austin, this is not Dallas-Fort Worth, this isn't some major metropolitan gigantic hub airport, this is Austin, Texas, there was almost 5,000 people in that airport at any given moment. Whether they're standing outside, in the building, working at the counters, running baggage claim, who the hell knows, but they were all there. They were all on top of each other. Well, how many people died in the World Trade Center attack on 9-11? Less. Less than we're in that airport. And yet, we deal with government entities basically pushing some kind of security agenda under the guise of we need to protect people. Well, they're not protecting people, they're just making your life more difficult. And proving a point, hey, people are really easily fooled and they're definitely easily controlled. This is again, going right back to what we see with cyber decay. Misinformation was a big one that ran, you know, under the Obama administration and again under Biden's administration, talking about misinformation. Trump just called it something different. Trump and his hate peddlers over at Fox News called it, well, it's fake news. Well, they weren't wrong. None of these administrations are wrong. Digital decay is the ultimate source of misinformation, fake news, whatever you want to call it. It is. There is misinformation out there. You see an entire slew of idiots, just like the one that came in here talking or trying to make comments on my live video, that trans people aren't real. That's misinformation. It's also stupidity, but it's misinformation. Trans people are real. I'm right here. I exist. Look, I can touch myself. I affect things around me. Trans people are real. It's not some mental disorder. It's not some weird thing. It's not a fad. It's not a trend. Trans people have been around, hell, since the dawn of humanity. Just like gay people have been around since the dawn of humanity. It's just one of those things. But that's misinformation. And when you see large groups of people, whether you want, whether they're real, whether they're bots, whether they're trolls, peddling misinformation through a digital environment, this contributes to digital decay. This makes the, the very tool that humanity created to make our lives better, simpler, easier, 
that is being the internet, making our lives more complicated, difficult, and even dangerous. I can't count how many school districts just in the state of Texas have reported children with suicidal ideation from online bullying. I think that's compounded though with, you know, the unrealistic beauty expectations that are also online. Oh, for sure. Well, again, and the yeah. constant filters and things like that. Right. I mean, it does. It certainly makes it a lot more difficult, especially on our youth, where, yeah, there's this expectation of beauty for both men and women. I don't think it really... No, I know. I think it affects women worse, but it doesn't mean it doesn't affect men, too, yeah. or boys in this case. Um, you know, there are boys out there who are predispositioned to have, I don't know, better, more masculine faces, nice facial hair, can grow a mustache and a beard, and then they make fun of the ones that can't. Right. Well, yeah, that's part of your digital decay. It was one thing when people were isolated to these islands that we call schools, where the only bullying they were going to get was the bullying they got at school, and when they went home, it was over. The problem with Digital K is that, yes, they're still getting that same bullying at school, despite all of the rules that people keep coming up with to protect the children, it doesn't work. There's nothing to protect them from if you're not going to actively go do something about it. You can make all the laws in the world that makes no damn difference if no one's going to enforce them. That being said, these kids are getting bullied at school, and then when they go home, they're being bullied at home. Text messaging, picture messaging, all kinds of different messaging that exists, plus social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok even, um, all seem to have an issue with promoting this bullying mindset. And they don't do anything at all to get rid of them. I've been told multiple times you know, even in my own live sessions, here when I do my show, when I go live on TikTok, if I go live on Facebook, and you get awful people that join there and say some of the most disgusting, egregious, subhuman stuff anyone can possibly say online, and no, nothing ever gets done about it. Outside of me physically banning them, which I do, or having moderators to go in and physically ban them, which I do, but all that means is that they're gonna go and do it to somebody else. Now, I've got pretty thick skin and I don't really care. Sure, I have emotional moments and yes, sometimes I have really big emotional moments, but they're far and few between and I'm definitely capable of handling what I would consider just, you know, an under the bridge troll when they make their nasty ass comments. I feel bad for the next person down the line that that troll is gonna find and possibly do something worse. There are people out there who are having a very hard time in life. There are people out there who are struggling with lots of this kind of nonsense that maybe it'll only take one more troll to come in there and say something awful online, and then that's it. They're going to end their lives. And that's a waste. It is an absolute waste. Nobody should be ending their life over the comments of a bully or a troll, and yet it does happen. Now, a lot of these idiots are the same morons that will scream, well, it's my First Amendment right, I have the right to free speech. I was like, no, your First Amendment rights don't extend to online presence. I don't think you have the right to emotionally and verbally abuse anyone, and it doesn't matter what the platform is. Well, exactly. No one, has the right, no one has the right to go out there and say terrible things to someone else just because 
that's what they want to do. Right. You know, and you've got conservative media heads that go out there and talk about, well, the facts don't care about your feelings. Well, if you walk up to someone and say, well, you've got XY chromosomes like this douche can do over here did. Well, they're not facts. I don't have XY chromosomes at all. There are a lot of people who are transgendered that don't have the chromosomes you think they do. There's a lot of people out there who are cisgendered that don't even know their chromosomes aren't what they think they are. These are intersex peoples. They're not biologically male and they're not necessarily biologically female. There's something in between. So no, your facts aren't facts at all. It's your opinions. And you know what? Your opinions might not care about my feelings, but my feelings are far more important than your opinions. And that's what bullies and trolls and morons and idiots and subhuman filth that seem to creep into, I don't know, the internet world, don't seem to grasp. Or if they do grasp it, they just don't care. And that's fine. You have absolutely the right to be as evil or disgusting as you want to do, but we have the right to make sure that you can't spread that anywhere else that you go. And no, I'm sorry, I don't care what argument you make. Your freedom of speech, your freedom of individual speech does not extend into a privately owned platform. It does not. And anyone who lives in the United States says, well, the First Amendment says, no, the First Amendment doesn't say that. The First Amendment says the government shall make no law abridging your right to say what you want to or practice your religion. It doesn't say that I won't have the ability to abridge your right to say what you want or practice your religion. Because if your freedom of speech is now impacting my ability to live the way I want to, you lose that freedom. I'm sorry. That's how the real world works. If your religious practice means finding me and tying me to a tree and lynching me, I'm sorry, I'm going to stop your religious practice one way or another because it's impacting my ability to live the way I want to live. So you're right. Facts may not care about my feelings, but my feelings don't give a damn about your opinions. And half the time, things that people push online as facts are just opinions. There's nothing to back them up. There's nothing to support them. That's all part of the digital decay. These are things that we do need to watch out for. The misinformation is tremendous as it passes from one internet source to the other. Facebook was awful, awful for misinformation. They still kind of are. And then Instagram, which is nothing more than another arm of Facebook, can be just as bad. TikTok is utter garbage. <laughs> as far as like valid information, it could be utter garbage. Um, but there are occasionally certain things that do go well. There are people out there who speak truth. There are people out there who use facts, real facts, to support their hypotheses. Not just, I'm going to run my mouth for the sake of running my mouth. I mean, we've seen it before. There are people who make very good points who actually look things up, show you their, where they got their sources from. Right. Um, and I enjoy the content creators that do such things. And I mean, I'm probably going to surprise quite a number of my listeners when I say I had nothing but the utmost respect for Steven Crowder, a comedian who used to work as a journalist, a reporting journalist. He worked for Fox for a long time, and even he realized the writing on the wall, Fox is garbage. 
left and created his own content. Well, the problem with what he's become is that he's no longer espousing things like factual, unbiased information. He's just regurgitating the same hateful, disgusting, moronic, uneducated talking points well, that Fox News does. And it's no better than CNN because they do the same damn thing. They preach to an echo chamber and that's what they want. I'm not going to lie, I've watched Fox News. I've watched MSNBC. I've watched, they're all garbage. They barely even talk about the news, it's just entertainment. I started watching online content creators like Steven Crowder um, to avoid watching things like that. I wanted to get factual based, things where they went and they found the sources. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. Or the sources that Steven Crowder is using are just terrible. They're terrible sources. They have no scientific basis whatsoever. Or they're cherry-picked. You can't cherry-pick things. It's like cherry-picking laws. Right now, one of the biggest things online is this misinformation about, you know, you can't call it the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. That is misinformation. We absolutely can call it the Don't Say Gay Bill. It is 100% arbitrary. It is specifically targeting a marginalized community of people and forcing everyone else. We call them allies. The evangelical right call them groomers. Whatever terminology you want to use in your head, they are forcing these people to now say, well, now there's nothing we can do. And we can't talk about it and we can't help you. And in some cases, we have to report you to your parents and our authorities which is dangerous. So when conservatives and evangelicals and Republicans talk about, well, you're just going in there and you're only finding the pieces that are bad, this is the, you know, the one piece of the law that you know, we really wanted to push forward. It's like, well, you can't just cherry pick that one piece that you think is good and then ignore the 46 pieces of the law that are absolutely horrible. You don't cherry pick laws. Either it's all good or it's all bad. Because once the law is put into effect, the whole law is in effect. Not just the one good piece, all 46 bad pieces too. And the misinformation being put out there to show people, oh no, the don't say gay bill, that's, that's terribly named, that's misnomed. It doesn't say anywhere in the bill, you can't say gay except that it does. It just doesn't use the words, don't say gay. It's basically like, if you are a teacher, if you are an administrator, if you work for anyone in the public schools from K through three, you are not authorized to discuss things of a nature that are inappropriate or could be construed as inappropriate for someone in those grades. Furthermore, should not be talking about any kind of subjects that could be misconstrued as inappropriate for any age group. That's that ambiguity that you're talking about. Well, who decides what's appropriate when it comes to human sexuality or human identity for a particular age? Well, of course, parents, sure. Parents should have some, some say in that. Well, what if a child's parents are just absolute pieces of garbage? What if a child's parents would 
beat that child senseless if they found out their child was, I don't know, gay or trans or something in between. Does that parent have the right to then discuss? Our co-host is otherwise engaged. So this is part of that digital decay. You've got misinformation out there talking about, oh, well, it's absolutely the parents, right? But nobody's talking about, well, what if that parent's terrible? Teachers shouldn't be allowing children to use whatever pronouns they prefer and if they want to do that, they need to tell the parents, no, they don't. No, they actually don't. That child has rights too. And they go and they, unfortunately for the parents, supersede the parents' rights to be busybodies in their children's lives. Children have body autonomy. Children have the right to be respected. I think they should be guided and coached and everything else that's you know good for a child's development but when a parent says oh no you're not going to cram that lgbtq nonsense down my child's throat and turn them gay that is misinformation that is digital decay creeping into that person's thought process because the reality the facts that are out there no amount of conversations about gay relationships how they operate or even the mechanics of how they work are ever going to turn anybody gay. They're not. The misinformation and the digital nonsense that's pushed out there amongst most of these people who have very little knowledge of how the internet even operates is exactly teaching these things to small-minded people. That if these teachers call my son, she, and her, well, I'm sorry. It's not your son. The moment that child came out and said, my preferred pronouns are she, her, and I am a woman or a girl, you have a daughter. Period. Whether you like it or not, I don't care how uncomfortable it makes you. And listening to misinformation and talking heads from any political direction, any political direction, and learning and developing your thought process off misinformation is the reason why countries like Russia are capable of hacking into just about everything and wrecking an entire region's economy. Because you believe this nonsense. You believe it. And that's ridiculous. It's dumb, folks. I am a child of technology. I have run two technology companies. I provide services in a cybersecurity nature as a private consultant, and I hate technology. I hate it. I understand the irony. I am using technology to speak to all of you, but I despise it. I despise it because it makes no sense, and it is a tool used specifically to hurt marginalized communities. I mean, it was one thing to go back in the 1800s when you had all of your Southern Dixiecrats running around lynching every person of color they could possibly find, <coughs> using newspapers and other forms of media to spread their lies and their filth about that marginalized community. And then when the internet was invented, it's like the resurgence 
of that same mentality against BIPOC. It's staggering. The digital decay is gross. So what can we do about it? How do we solve the problem of cyber threats and digital decay and everything else that we face every single day? Well, the good news is the solutions are relatively simple. Some of them are a little pricey, but for the most part, the solutions are simple. One, actively. I don't care if you're 10 years old or if you're 50 or 60 years old, it makes no difference. Actively turn those voices off. If there are peoples that are out there that you don't agree with, you have the ability and the right to turn them off. Ignore them. Ban them. Block them. Whatever it is you've got to do. I don't care what platform you're on. You can even ban individual websites. You can ban them on your network. You can ban entire countries. There are routers and technology that you can buy at Walmart that you can log into the administrative dashboard and you can tell it, I don't want to see any content or any kind of information or be allowed to see information from this country. <coughs> so if you want to say Russia, your router will ban all traffic incoming and outgoing to every single IP address associated with the country of Russia. All it cost you was the router in about five minutes of your time. Simplest solution I can possibly think of. Now, there are ways that the country of Russia can circumvent that, sure. <coughs> but it's a start. Finding someone to help you build appropriate firewall rules on your networks, whether it's a commercial network or a home network. Learn how to do those things. It's important. This is the wave of the future. When you're actively engaged in a room full of like-minded people or maybe indifferent people and you get one outspoken, loud, trollish kind of person in there, remove them from your life. You don't need the extra negativity. Don't give them a platform to spew their filth or their hate. Allow people like me to do that because I will absolutely wreck them. I take pride in it, actually, using valid factual information, science, medical technology, and various other things to basically make them look like crying idiots. But you don't have to especially the younger generations. If you live in a toxic world, whether it's your parents or someone else, you have the right. This is my message to you. You have the right to remove yourself from that toxic environment. No government entity, no person can tell you otherwise. Now, more importantly, to my trans viewers, especially if you were closeted and you were terrified because well, now you might live in a state where you can't come out or they'll tell your parents and you know your parents are going to react violently. I, I feel you. I see you. You are valid. You are absolutely valid. And I'm sorry that you have to deal with those things. But you have the right to be who you are. You have the right to do all kinds of things. 
And you do. Oh, we have a visitor. What's up? Ooh, did you pick up my mail? Oh. Sorry. Oh, you're good. But thank you. <laughs> Take it easy. It's always fun having visitors stop by and bring in fan mail. <laughs> this fan mail is mostly just uh, garbage. It's just garbage. Oh, well. We did get something cool, though. I don't know what this is. What can you say? But I will go back and I'll, I'll probably end the segment going over a couple of more solutions and how we can solve this. Digital decay is caused because people are complacent. So if we can find ways to end that complacency, make people more aware that these things happen. It's not just, you know, in Florida. It's not just in Texas. It's not just in North Carolina. It's not just in Russia or the Ukraine. These digital decay issues affect us all. They affect us all. From a bandwidth standpoint, somebody who studies the health of the internet, malicious troll-like cyber activities occurring on the internet compromise somewhere around 39% at any given moment of the world's internet health and bandwidth. Piracy activities, theft activities, cyber criminal activities, and trolling activities account for 39% of the lost bandwidth across the global internet. 39% wasted. People bitch all the time about how slow their internet is. Or why the hell is Netflix buffering? Why can't Hulu ever load a show on time? Why does it take 15 minutes on this store's website to process my credit card transaction? That's why. That's exactly why. Digital decay, folks. We can do tons to stop this. It's like the old joke from most military movies where they, you know you see them go through basic training. They're talking about, you know, if everyone locked up their stuff, there wouldn't be any thieves. Well, they're right. If everyone secured their shit, there wouldn't be any fucking thieves. The problem is the vast majority of people don't. I've gone into Walmarts that have completely unsecured networks where I have access to their point of sale machines. I have access to their registers. I've got access to their customer databases. I've even got admin access to the database that controls all of their credit card transactions as it correlates to their market and merchant accounts by walking into a Walmart superstore. That's ridiculous. And it's not just Walmart. Lots of stores are that way. Online presence have SSL certificates that expire because it's just not top in their mind. You've got social media platforms that actively allow trollish, disgusting, filthy human beings to go in there and bully people to near death. Or sometimes 
bully people to death. All things we can easily solve. All things we can easily solve. It doesn't require, okay, well, shut the internet off, get rid of all my network, and go live in a hermit village somewhere. You don't have to do that. You don't even have to boycott the social media platform. You don't. It's as simple as writing to that platform, like, listen, I'm sick and tired of this stuff. You need to do something about it. Make banning people easier. Make blocking accounts that you don't want to see easier. Or here's a neat idea. I like this idea better. Companies like Meta, you know, Facebook, Instagram, or companies like TikTok, make the application cost money. Take all the advertising out, remove all of the ads, remove all of the crawlers and the bots that exist, and then make people pay. I don't know, a dollar a month, two dollars a month, whatever. <clears throat> the great thing about making people pay is that now you have some way to trace who these people are. The anonymity of the internet magically disappears once you start doing that. There's a paper trail. There's a credit card transaction tied to your mischievous behavior. And when you get reported, it's much easier for police to come find you for doing the horrible things that you're doing. Or at least for the private sector company, in this case, let's say Meta or TikTok or YouTube, which is Google, to then track and basically say, no, you can't do that. You can't. Now I got your name. I know who you are. If you try to come back and create more accounts, we're not going to know it's you. And we're going to be like, nope. That's the simplest thing I can think of. The reason why a lot of cyber actors that are out there, the nefarious ones, do the things they do is because they're keyboard warriors. They hide behind screens where you'll never find them. It emboldens them to say some of the stupid things they say, some of the horrible things they do. All contributes to digital decay. The moment we as a society band together and say, take the anonymity out, what you're going to hear is called the great silence. The moment that happens across the board, you will hear the great silence. The misinformation will stop. The bullying will end. Because at the end of the day, these people are just chickens. Scared little people with small little minds. And IQs closely related to that of a potato. That steal and bully and thieve and everything else that they do because they know you're never going to find them. Their anonymity is protected by the very apps that you depend on to be social or to buy your whatever. Simple solutions, folks. These businesses could easily institute this in one day. Kick all the advertisers off. Make people pay to use the app. Anonymity goes bye-bye. People feel better and safer online when they do their things. The businesses will still make more than enough money and probably more than they did before.
but that's just me. So let's roll into our next segment. This makes a good segue. I'm calling this segment heterophobia is way more accurate. So I'm going to tell you why. After I close the door, because it keeps getting blown open by the wind, you know, because this house is 200 years old. Homophobia is a far more accurate statement. I think we need to stop calling people homophobic. I think we need to stop calling people transphobic. I think in this particular case, that when they make the statement, well, I'm not afraid of trans people and I'm not afraid of gay people, that they might be, uh, they might be right. I think instead we are, rightfully so heterophobic. I'm going to play a little clip for everyone as far as this segment is concerned to kind of help explain why. Let's talk about why you really don't have to worry about transgender people or gay people, but you should probably look out for those straight white men. I receive a lot of hateful comments on my live streams and on my videos. So I'm going to address some of the most prevalent ones. Now, I am not transgender, but not a day goes by that I'm not called Buffalo Bill in my comment section. For those of you who don't know, Buffalo Bill is a fictional character from the Silence of the Lambs franchise. In that media, Buffalo Bill is a gay man who wants to be a woman. But did you know Buffalo Bill is based on real-life serial killer Ed Gein? If you don't know about Ed Gein, he did terrible things to women, to children, to corpses. But he wasn't gay or transgender. He was a straight white cisgender man. Who knows why they decided to make that little change for the books and the movies. Almost as if you're blaming another group for your own actions. Not a day goes by that I'm not called a pedophile. Even though straight white men who attend an evangelical Christian church make up the majority of pedophiles in this country. Every Monday through Friday at 8 Central, I read children's books on my live stream. Here's a reenactment of how that usually goes. Do you like green eggs and ham? By this time, I probably have a comment that's very sexually explicit, detailing what I must do in the bedroom and how I need to stop shoving that in children's faces. Meanwhile, on a live stream with children, the only one who has ever brought up sex or detailed what it was where children could read it in the comments has been straight white men. If there are any cisgender straight people who hate gay people and trans people still watching, I just want to talk to you for a moment. And no, I'm not calling you transphobic or homophobic because you don't fear us. We do fear you, which is why I think we should start calling ourselves heterophobic. How many unalive threats do you get from gay and trans people every day? How many? How many gay and trans people have threatened your life? I'll wait. The sad fact is, in this case, he, he is a drag queen, a wonderful one. Love the styles and the makeup. 
And even I have tuned in to the reading sessions when they do children's book reading. And I've seen exactly what he's talking about. It's awful. Those readings go on and not even five minutes, not even five minutes into the reading, <clears throat> there are people, generally straight, cisgendered, often, after, you know, using my own special techniques because people think they're safe on the clock app, I'm here to tell you, you're not. Often are criminals, they're white, men, cisgendered, apparently straight. Um, I've seen some of the people making these comments on there go anywhere from, I don't know, five, six counts of spousal abuse, um, two or three or four counts of sexual assault, five or six that I've caught on his readings, children's books readings, saying some of the explicit things they're saying are in fact charged child predators using social media apps that they have no freaking business using in the first place. Now, thanks to efforts like me going in there and doing what I do, the great Londini who goes in and does the exact same thing, a Marine brother of mine, finds these people, prosecutes them, and makes sure that they never see the light of day again. But our efforts are minuscule compared to the amount of people out there who do these things. So I find it awfully ironic that someone like that, a convicted child sex offender, a convicted pervert, a convicted spouse abuser, walks into someone's life, in this case who is a drag queen, and calls them a pedophile or a pervert or says awful, lewd, and disgusting things. Particularly during a session where he is reading children's books to children. I don't know why, but this is what they choose to do. So yeah, the last statement that he makes is also very, very accurate. At no time have I ever gone into the live of a cisgendered straight white male, or any male for that matter, and threatened them? Threatened them with violence, threatened them with unaliving them, threatened them with whatever? Never. Never have I done that because one, I would never want to do something like that. And two, it's wrong. Murder is wrong. Bullying is wrong. I don't want to do those things. I don't see the point. It does not further my own agendas. It does not get me the things that I want. I've never done it. I've never known anyone in my community who's ever done it. I've never actually witnessed it happen, ever. And yet, only speaking for myself and nobody else, I get death threats on a live comments, if you will, on social media platforms ranging across the gamut on average of about four times to 10 times a week. 
It really depends on the week. So let's look at last week. Not this week, because it's Friday, as I know. Yay, TGIF. But let's look at last week. Sunday through Saturday. I received nine, nine death threats on my lives on TikTok. Three death threats on my lives on YouTube. One death threat on Facebook. And any videos I made that were not live, static, we'll say, I got about the same. The same number, and sometimes from the same people. I mean, really? Some videos I made have zero comments on them. And that's fine, I don't care. And they finally get a comment, and it's a death threat. Now, of course, I moderate my own stuff. And I will absolutely delete those comments. I'm not deleting them because you're creating fear in me. I'm deleting them because I don't want your sense of self-worth and filth that you're trying to spew on the open internet to be publicly available for anybody else to read. Yes, I am actively silencing you because you deserve to be silenced. You absolutely deserve to be silenced. It's disgusting. It's very bothersome that we think we've come so far, and yet we haven't. I waited a very long time in my life to come out. I waited a long time because I was afraid, but the fear is valid. I am heterophobic, not against everyone. Not every heterosexual person is bad or evil or misogynistic or disgusting or transphobe. They're not. But the ones that are, I think I have every right to be afraid. I think everyone in my community has every right to be afraid. I'm not the only person out there getting death threats. I'm not the only person out there being told that someone's going to find me and unalive me. Or someone's going to come take my kids and unalive them. That's been like the newest rash of the threats I've been getting. You've got children? Oh, we're going to come get your children. We're going to make sure they're annihilated. Because we don't want any more of you running around. That's right, folks. Your good old-fashioned Christian evangelical cisgendered white wasps are out there threatening to murder my children. Lovely. Which brings on another very interesting point. Evangelicalism, as it exists in the United States, and unfortunately, it's infection across the rest of the world. Where does it come from? It is new. Evangelicalism is definitely a new trend, a fad, if you will, in the sense that you didn't really have this kind of stuff. Sure, you had firebrand fervor back in the 17 and 1800s. You had a lot of southern-based churches that certainly had some very interesting things to say, but were very, very contained. They did not have a political arm. And maybe that was what they thought was the problem. They didn't have a political arm. The truth is, most faith-based institutions, Christianity specifically, stay out of politics, or at least historically they have. 
for the most part. All that changed with evangelicalism. Everyone who says that evangelicalism is a Christian or a faith-based or a church-based movement, it's not. It is not. Evangelicalism is a 100% political movement that has co-opted some of the more nefariously gross parts of Christianity and religion to push an agenda of elitism. But in this particular case, rather than a bunch of socialists or communists pushing their agenda on people and basically saying, well, yes, we're financially we're all equal and whatever nonsense you want to go for their own political gains so they can then tell the mass general public how best to live their lives, evangelicalism is almost identical. It is almost identical. Rather than more of a despotic rule that socialism and communism typically brings, this would be a more of a theocratic rule. Honestly, two sides to the same fucking coin. Evangelical movements have been almost entirely political. And they've been pushed very, very hard ever since the 1940s. You saw it really push hard in the South. When the Dixiecrats lost their foothold over racism in the South, something had to replace it. Now granted, the Republican Party in its olden heydays did a very good job of infiltrating most of the northern and southern states. Finding economic freedoms made it much easier for people to live their lives and not require things like slavery. I'm not saying these people improved. They certainly didn't. Their mindsets were still that of a very racist person, but they did not opt for race, racist ideologies because, well, they had the economic mobility and freedom to do what they wanted to do and not need it. Or at least not think they needed it. Well, leave it to a very intelligent person to come up with another idea of how, well, we may not need slavery and other racist, awful, stupid things to make our lives better, but, but this very obscure scripture that someone wrote in 1942 says that if we keep allowing gay people to exist, we're all going to burn in hell. If we keep allowing trans people to exist, white populations will be decimated because no one will be having babies anymore. They're all going to be lustful and just banging each other, which is stupid. <laughs> and they never figured out how hard it is for a trans person to date. These are all dumb ideologies that have been pushed by the evangelical political arm. And this is where we find ourselves. This is the real reason to be heterophobic. This is dangerous. This is horrendously dangerous. This is the world we're currently living in. There are places all over the world, not just the United States, where evangelical movements have created camps. Camps specifically designed to convert gay people or people with a gay mindset back to straight, normal people. Now, in the UK, 
they, I guess, finally had passed a law in Parliament banning conversion therapy, these fucking camps from existing, for gay, lesbian, and bisexual people. However, as this next video I'm about to show shows, they decided not to include trans people. I will never be able to make it more clear that it was never about bathrooms. It was never about sports. It was never about women's only spaces. It was never about children. It was never about the sanctity of the human body. It is and always was about the cruelty. Transphobes are openly endorsing treating transgender people in a way that they themselves describe as abhorrent, inhumane, and unethical. And it's no accident that this comes the day after the International Transgender Day of Visibility. There's a reason that TERFs and transphobes have garnered the outspoken support of someone like Vladimir Putin. So, this is what we're dealing with. These are the kinds of things that we're dealing with. And it's scary. It's absolutely scary. I personally don't know where to go from here. But it is what it is at this point. I don't have time to do my Q&A. Apparently I'm the most popular person on the planet because this is the 400th person that's knocked on my freaking door and since I started my show. So I'm going to go ahead and end my show a little bit early today and I will actually talk to you guys hopefully on Monday to give you some more updates on surgery and various other things and maybe some more, I don't know, fun topics instead. So I will see you all then. Thank you very much for joining me today. I am your host. Please check me out on cyberjinx.me. Check all my other social media profiles. There's always updates on there. I, I'm aware. Take it easy.